these four satipatthana, these four foundations of mindfulness, in the way he has just described, then uh, within uh, seven years they will reach one of two results. They're either non-returning, the third stage enlightenment, or in a fine, uh, nibbana here and now, becoming an avant. And then he starts cutting down, and he says, uh, uh, set aside in uh, seven years, not just seven months, seven weeks, one fortnight, and in the end, not just seven days. So if someone can practice the four foundations of mindfulness exactly the way the Buddha described them, and then even in just uh, seven days, one should be able to reach either the third stage of enlightenment now or full Nibbana. However, this brings up the question, what is the reason that so few people <laughs> who at least claim practicing Satipatthana and not getting these results. There's probably quite a few people around who would have been trying to practice Satipatthana, not just for seven days, but maybe for more than seven years even. So why is the result not there? And there's a little sutta in Anguttara Nikaya, where the Buddha explains six things which, if he have not overcome them or given them up, make it impossible to contemplate you know, the body in reference to the body, to contemplate feeling in feelings, to contemplate the mind as mind, and to contemplate the Dhamma in the Dhamma which is basically in a satipatthana. This is the four satipatthana, contemplating the body as a body, or contemplating the body in the body, however we want to translate that. And the same for feeling, for the mind states, and for, for the Dhamma. And what are these six things? Kamaramata, basaramata, Nitaramata, Sanganikaramata, Indriyeso, Asangvata, and Bodhani Matanyata. So the first one, Kamaramata, it means delighting in work, delighting in being busy, delighting in doing things, delighting in having uh, projects. The delighting in expressing one's creativity and building things up and developing externally. It was interesting that the Buddha mentions that as the first obstruction which actually makes it literally impossible to practice the four Satipatthana, the four foundations of mindfulness as ever intended. Now that is the reason why we have things like retreats. That's the reason why we have things like monasteries, why one can ordain as a monk and a nun. Because one reason is that once you ordain as a monk or a nun, you don't have to go to work every day to earn your living. 
So simple as that. No, that's not the only reason, of course, but it's an important one. Because how, how can you practice the letting go of the light and work now, when one has to make a living? And nowadays it may be easily more than eight hours a day, plus the commute, plus the overtime. And in some jobs, they don't even ask you how many hours of work. No, they just expect you that you get it done. And maybe many hours, 60 and more. There's a reason why we don't have any projects in Dhammagiri in the Vains Retreat. Of course, even in monasteries you can't avoid work, and sometimes it can be considerable amounts of work. In the old days, they would have to haul water and uh, maintenance. Even nowadays, one has to do maintenance uh, administration. Uh, um, nowadays, also computer IT issues for teaching Dhamma, so there's always some work. Also necessary and wholesome, beneficial you know, to develop the monasteries, building kutis, building facilities for meditation or inspiring objects like stupas. But it's very important not to get you know, lost in that, in particular not to get lost you know, in what the Buddha calls aramata, you know, this delighting and finding all one's joy in that. The Buddha pointed out you know, that. Uh, stream enter or someone who has seen the Dhamma, when they are a monk or a nun, one of the characteristics is that they are keen and enthusiastic in executing whatever duties they have to do in the Sangha. That's a quality of someone who has attained already the first stage of enlightenment. So they will not uh, uh, shun the work, they will not try to wiggle out, they will pull their full weight. But what the Buddha here talks about is someone who is finding their, their joy, their purpose, what really makes them happy in working, in running projects. And once that happens, then one can't really do the refined meditation even on the level of Satipatthana. The Sati, one can't even develop the Sati in the way the Buddha has defined it and the Noble Eightfold Path, which is exactly the four foundations of mindfulness, how it defines mindfulness in the seventh factor of the Eightfold Path. And why is that? Because external development, external work, this very course, we do things with our body, if we have the time pressure and the interaction and all the issues of a major project, it disturbs the mind very, very strongly. If one has one thing which is a very coarse external thing, one has to get the bulldozer in and bulldoze this to build something and get the concrete pour in and so on. This is a very coarse external thing. And one can notice that the very subtle things can't, how to say, can't. Um, compete with that. It's a bit like noise and silence. If you try to be very silent and then to compete with someone who's very noisy, you're bound to lose that battle. Even if 10 people are pinned up silent and one person is very loud, the result is it's loud. <laughs> Even if 100 people are very silent, because the subtle phenomenon is in a sense much weaker than the coarse one. We can observe that in our mind. 
And once we are really into a project, uh, it's much easier to focus on that. It's much more difficult to focus on one's own mind state or to focus on feelings consistently. And then the attention is absorbed in that. In particular with the aramata. And if this is where we find our happiness. So we have to be careful not to find happiness in these things. And the next one is the basaramata. This is delighting in talking, delighting in chatting, delighting in gossiping. And uh, I feel confident we can uh, extend that nowadays in delighting in social media. If one is uh, posting and tweeting and updating one's Instagram feed and so on, it's not in a literally talk with the mouth, but that is what is meant by that. There's another thing which we can uh, easily observe in our mind. If we spend the day talking, particularly in a basa, the term in Pali, it usually doesn't indicate the talk about the Dhamma, talk about Nibbana and uh, talk about frugality and talk about contentment and talk about fewness of wishes and talk about samadhi and virtue and wisdom and insight and so on. But basan is usually what in English we might say in a chit-chat, small talk, chatting. And as always, you know, the teaching of the Buddha is open for investigation. We can just try it out. If you spend the day in a chatting away, checking in with this and that person, sending text messages to this and that person, giving a phone call to this and that person, checking your Facebook feed, updating the photos on your Instagram, liking and sharing some tweets and so on. And then you sit down and try to meditate. What's the result? All this speech is now still echoing in our mind as thoughts. And thinking, thinking is in a more subtle but also the more fundamental one as, as we think so we end up speaking but speaking is the, again the cause of phenomenon so if there's a lot of talking going on and a lot of communication in all different channels including electronic ones it will be extremely difficult then to switch the thinking off in our meditation Because the cause of phenomenon, the talking, communicating, will be more powerful. And even once we quieten down the cause phenomenon, we are no longer thinking, we are no longer speaking now. We are no longer commu communicating electronically, because we are now setting formal meditation. But now the echo of that, the more subtle manifestation, the memory and the Agitation in the mind will manifest as thinking. And one may notice that one may spend hours or sometimes days to kind of clear that out of the system. And if one just had kept silent, that work would be unnecessary. A lot when we try to quieten the thinking meditation, a lot is just patiently 
waiting for these things to slowly clear out and not to put in more agitation. Of course, it is important what we are talking about. If it's just a little bit in a chit-chat, it will be less disturbing than having an argument. The argument is usually the worst. The ones one becomes angry and then there's an uh, angry or grumpy exchange of words or communication. Some poisonous emails quickly sending out and returning and then one can notice that the agitation in the mind is considerable and it may take a whole week to clear that one out. So if one had uh, restrained oneself and not sent this email and not got that unpleasant answer and then maybe again answering the unpleasant answer and there's this exchange and if he had restrained ourselves right in the beginning it may save one the whole week of efforts and quietening the mind in meditation. This is why the Buddha recommends adio dunhi bhavo in a noble silence. This is why one has noble silence on retreats. That's one thing I really like about the Nagoenka uh, tradition, where they have a very strict and um, yeah, strictly imposed rule of complete silence and non-communication. People, I think, have to surrender their mobile phone and everything. And even just that much, you know, just 10 days doing that much, not even talking about whatever meditation people are doing, but even just that muchness is so beneficial for spiritual growth and insight. In a monastery, one usually can't live by keeping complete silence. And it's always more difficult to knowing the right measure. A talk about Dhamma is encouraged in any case. But it's more difficult to clearly distinguish what is chit-chat, what is necessary talk, what is talk on Dhamma. It's much easier if I can just keep complete silence. But when that is not possible, then one requires sufficient mindfulness and wisdom to discern how much do we talk. I'm talking here a little bit from the perspective of monks, in particular as we are in the Vains retreat. I'm aware that in a lay life, particularly if you're still working, there's obviously limitations on that. You will have to speak a lot. But I notice that even in a lay life, the people have to work a lot already, but then in their spare time, they have all the other projects. And so can we not cut out some of these projects and some of the work people do in their spare time? Does one really need to have such a big house for, say, just two people? <laughs> can one maybe sometimes downsize and then have it uh, very simple? That one doesn't have to do so much work and can rather spend the time quietly <laughs> contemplating. It's similar with talking. Of course, people have to talk at work, they have to communicate, check their emails, and do whatever communication is required. But is it really necessary you know, to maintain five different social medias on top of that? <laughs> and keeping fully updated and, and putting out you know, all the little things that are happening. 
So next one is Nidharamata. Because once we work a lot and we talk a lot, what is the result? We become quite tired. <laughs> and then there comes all the sleeping. So it's good to keep that in mind, the delighting in sleep. And nidde also is, could almost mean you can see, you can hear that almost, the nidde nodding. And it's not just the plain sleeping, and we need the sufficient sleep in any case. Nowadays, some people have actually not enough sleep, but it also includes the, even just more like dozing, dozing, nodding, the delighting in that the laziness and tiredness, delighting in this blanking out, losing awareness. But particularly enough for monks, there's a nuns, there's a great danger. A place like Damagiri, and if one has so much time alone in one's kuti, they can easily arise you know, the delight in sleeping. In order to have the right amount of sleep, it usually requires effort. If one just you know, sleeps as it feels good, that is usually far too much. It is possible for people to not get enough sleep and they have very stressful jobs. So um, again, one has to know the right measure. Not enough sleep is also bad. But if people have lots of spare time and they sleep according to desire, and the desire usually then it's far too much to hit the right amount of sleep and to be restrained, it usually means one has to make a considerable effort Particularly if one is not you know, having entertainments and all these things. If one is glued to the screen and playing video games and watching the telly and so on, then it may be possible you know, to stay awake. But if one tries to stay awake and uh, practice, even just most of the time, or ideally all the time, it uh, requires a you know, considerable effort not to have too much sleep. And again, uh, not to underestimate that. If this is where we find our happiness in being able uh, to sleep and have a nap at noon and maybe another one late in the afternoon and <laughs> in between and long at night, uh, impossible to practice the satipatthana, the foundations of mindfulness correctly. And the, when the Buddha uses that, the possible or impossible, that is actually one of the special powers of a Tathagata, unique to a Buddha. He knows what is possible and what is impossible. So when he uses these terms, it is quite strong. He doesn't want to say, oh, maybe not such a good idea, but he really means it quite literally makes it impossible. The next one, Sanganikaramata. That is socializing, hanging out with other people. And it often goes together with, with uh, Basaramata. When we hang out, we tend to uh, chat and talk. And again, uh, I think nowadays we can extend that to electronic media. It's not just 
hanging out physically together, but is also hanging out together, uh, whatever, on Zoom, on uh, FaceTime, and however other means of communication are being used. When we are together with others, we usually get our intention focused outside. But we have to learn to enjoy solitude, because solitude is necessary to understand one's own mind. Without some delight and time and solitude, it's basically not possible to really grasp the characteristic of one's own mind. One can't really observe you know, the subtle internal phenomena if one is chatting with five other people or one is playing a virtual reality game you know, with others. It's impossible you know, to understand the subtle events in one's own mind. And this is why monks live in these little kutis to give, to give them this solitude. Now this is why you have got quite a long way to come out to Damagiri. I'm aware that for the lay community that's some disadvantage. If we are somewhere in the suburb, it would be easier for you to reach us. But for the monks, for their practice, the solitude is just so valuable. And the further one is away, the less likelihood is there that one will delight in socializing and will delight and find all one's happiness in the hanging out with other people. If the temple is white in the suburb where that community mostly lives, and many people can reach it even by just walking, they may just drop in on the monks in the evening and say hello. Tamagiri is already much less likely that someone drives out all the distance to come so less disturbance for the monks, it's easier not to avoid delight and joy and socializing and hanging out. And the next one is Indira Yesu Asanguta, the non-restrained of the sense faculties. And if our sense faculties are unrestrained, uh, we will not be able to contemplate the body as body and feeling as feeling and so on. And again, the uh, monastery in the Veins Retreat is designed for doing that. But nowadays now, there's this one gaping loophole. Yeah. You can go you know, to the most remote places as long as you have internet connection and any device. You know, the, the solitude is no longer there. And then the sense restraint is not there. You know, for the five senses, if you live in the forest, you know, the five external senses now are naturally restrained, but not if the gadget is there. Actually, uh, two days ago, this person came in on the podcast and he sent this little message, uh, Salam, I'm just living in the forest only alone with the goats and the birds and I really delight in that life and I found great spiritual solace in that. 
So I expressed my anamodana to that person. I'm very happy that someone can live like that. But then it occurred to me and I asked him, but uh, how is it that you're on this podcast? <laughs> so, so he sent back and he said, I have really good internet connection on this mountain here. So I'm not sure whether he was joking or whether it's really someone who is a hermit somewhere with internet connection. So we have to be very careful. And this is a huge loophole. And uh, people have it all the time. So it makes it so much more difficult to have good sense with Spain nowadays for us. And uh, probably these gadgets uh, for most people is probably more than 50% or more than two-thirds of their sense with Spain if they can control that. And the last one, Bodhane Amatanyota, not knowing the wide measure when eating, overeating. This is particularly relevant for monks and nuns because it's the last kind of really sensual thing which one can still do. It's already limited, you, know, you eat only in the morning and from the bowl and only what you are given and so on. No, but still, it's still a very central thing, and there's a danger one eats too much. And looking around, no, when you see people nowadays, it seems to be also in their life an issue. There's <laughs> quite a bit of obesity. And when I started living in Australia after some time in Sri Lanka, it was really striking how people. And it seems to get worse, and you see more and more people overweight and obese. And you see more and more products, uh, light and low-fat and zero-fat. Something doesn't work there. <laughs> so all this light and yes, all the obese people. Um, so also in their life, that's an important one. And we can notice that now, try to contemplate uh, mind and mind, uh, mind states as mind states after having a really, really big meal. It's virtually impossible. One can maybe do some walking meditation. No, but uh, very, very subtle contemplation after a big meal, and it takes hours to digest that. And then fortunately, in, in the monastic life, at least you know, there comes a time then towards the evening when the digestion is finally finished and you have got this lightness. But the way many people live, what I, I once read, you know, the trend is towards what they call grazing. P people don't have uh, firm meal times or firm meals anymore. They just stuff themselves all day. Here, here a little sweet and then here a piece of food and then here a little some of fast food and then here this and that. And uh, the result is that the body never has finished the digestion and never gets to that state that the mind is bright and light. So to sum it up, there are six things which make it impossible to properly contemplate the body as body and a similar feeling as feelings, mind state as mind state and dhamma as dhamma. And what are these six? First, uh, delight in work, delight in projects and doing things. Second, the delight in 
talking, chatting, gossiping, small talk. And I wish to include you know, all forms of electronic chatting, gossiping, small talk, and so on, communication. An important point is here, and we all have to communicate and we all have to do work and so on. But really finding all our happiness in that one. Aramata, this is where we think we become happy. This is a problem. So, uh, work, chatting, including electronic. The third one, sleeping. And blanking out rather than building awareness. Uh, the fourth one, uh, hanging out with other people, socializing. And again, we can include all the electronic forms of socializing. Number five, uh, non-restraint of the senses. I may want to add here in a monastery, and if one manages not to be restrained with any electronic gadgets, then the five senses are quite okay, but the mind sense, of course, has to be restrained. And if one's meditation is not prospering as it should, or one's satipatthana is not developing, then we have to investigate whether our mental restraint is insufficient, whether the mind door is wandering too far and engaging with too many things. And the last one, uh, restraint when eating, 